Hello and welcome once again to the How Long to Beat podcast. I'm Rick, joined as always by Alex and Paola, who this week we're going to be calling Dumpster Fire. We'll get to that later on. Um, <laughs> and we're joined this week uh, by our special guest, everyone's favourite fantasy critic league coach, Abitage. Hey. Welcome. Hello. Hey. How you doing? All good. And we've timed it very well because uh, before we get into our little Q&A that we always do with guests, uh, we've got you here live in the studio, as it were, to give us our monthly roundup. Mm-hmm. It's time. So let's do it. What's up, everybody? I'm Avatage, and this is your How Long to Beat Fantasy Critic Roundup for March 2021. Funky Face Studios maintain their lead from February, adding another 18 points to their total, thanks to Monster Hunter Rise, which earned a solid 88 on Open Critic. With another solid 18 points, It Takes Two shot Horny Mistress up to third place on the leaderboard, this being their second release of the year. Narita Boy and CD Projekt Rick their first points of the year, shooting them straight to the middle of the pack. While General Goods showed up with their first points thanks to the release of Evil Genius 2 World Domination, a recent pickup for them that had put them on the board for the first time this year. Finally though, sad days for Mango, who was shot in the foot with the release of the troubled Balan Wonderworld, which earned a dismal minus 15, sending them right to the bottom of the list. Too bad nobody counterpicked that one. We also had some new bidders enter the pickup game during March, so let's see how everyone shaped up. Mango attempted to drop the ill-fated Balan Wonderworld, but sadly missed the eligible window and was stuck with it as reviews had already been written to condemn the title. CD Product Refund successfully outbid Abisoft and acquired Life is Strange True Colors for $35 and Life is Strange Remastered Collection for $20, giving them the most pickups in March and leaving them with $45 left in their budget. Poke and Paw successfully acquired Famicom Detective Club The Girl Who Stands Behind for $5, leaving them with $95 in their budget. And General Goods successfully acquired Evil Genius 2 World Domination for $5 right before it released, leaving them with $85 left in their budget. Frozen Frog successfully acquired Blaster Master Zero 3 for a dollar, leaving them with $55 left in their budget. And, success- and I, as Abisoft, <laughs> successfully acquired Ninja Gaiden Master Collection for $5, leaving me with $89 left in my budget. So that's how the How Long to Beat Fantasy Critic League shaped up for March 2021, and there are loads more titles set to release in the next couple of months, making this an interesting start to the first half of the year. Fingers crossed we don't have any more bombers coming out next month. Those big losses really hurt. Nice! Well, thank you. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good these days, I'm just saying. <laughs> You've got the... that top spot on lock, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll see how it continues, yeah, but... <laughs> I'm hoping you're going to take a sleep under the proverbial tree and the tortoise that is CD Project Rick will sneak in for a victory in December. But <laughs> yeah, who knows? I'm just the year is long. Waiting. The year is I'm long. Just here. Yeah. And let's not forget just, we've got the reigning champion here as well. So yeah, yeah just, you're like waiting for my opportunity to snatch some yeah. uh, very good titles that might or not or might not be announced this year. 
for this year. It's true. Get them right now. <laughs> I know Microsoft Nintendo still says they got a bunch, but then again, Nintendo also says they have a lot for their fiscal year, which could mean next year too, right? So who knows? We'll find out. Uh, well, thank you so much. Um, why don't we jump right in then with our little interview so we can get to know you a little better and let everyone else get to know you a little better. Um, I'm going to start off as usual with what part of the world do you live in and how does that affect your gaming? I live outside of uh, the capital of the state of South Australia, which for anyone who doesn't know Australia very well, is basically right in the middle on the south coast. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I'm just outside of the capital city, Adelaide. Yeah, as far as affecting gaming, most stuff, because it's Australia, is, is available to us. So I've never really had a problem like getting games or any of that kind of stuff. But I was thinking about this and I thought, well, one thing I've gotten used to is always downloading games and having them all installed on my computer. Like I've got maybe six terabytes of games installed at the moment. Damn. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because back in the day we had terrible, terrible internet. So if you, if you decided, oh, I'd like to play Doom now, you'd be like, okay, I'll set the download and a week later I'll get to play Doom. So, <laughs> so I got very used to just having more hard drive space, which was cheaper and just downloading everything so that it's all there in case I want to play it kind of thing. And I do tend to jump around from game to game. So, mm. <laughs> you know, that, that helped out a lot. And, and I think that's something that's very, I don't know if that happens in, in the rest of the world where it takes too long that you don't bother. You just kind of preload everything. <laughs> there, there was a period but, of time um, in my life where it was like that when I lived in the sticks of Canada, <laughs> I, I, I can relate. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it just makes life that little bit easier. And I remember when, um, when Doom 3 came out, they released a – focusing on Doom for some reason, but <laughs> they released like a little five-minute video of their cool new engine with like lighting and everything, and there was a couple of enemies in the dark while the light shifted and all that kind of thing. And it was like a 500-meg video, and it took me about three weeks to download like all up at the time because <laughs> I was still on dial-up or something like that at the time, and it was just took forever. So that's what I was dealing with then. The other thing, interestingly, that we only recently got in Australia, i.e. in the last 10 years, was an adult rating for games, mm. where previously we didn't have an R18 rating. So anything that was rated above MA15 was just banned or refused classification, so it just didn't come out. Oh. Or it would be reclassified as MA, so 15-year-olds would get what should have been restricted to 18-year-olds or you know that kind of thing. So again, to use Doom as an example... <laughs> The, I imported Doom from like the oh no, it wasn't Doom it was Mortal Kombat the, the newer Mortal Kombat series the first one of those I had to actually import from overseas because it wasn't available here and after I'd ordered it from like Amazon US and got it sent over I read a thing online that said oh you could have been fined $10,000 for that because it's like banned goods and stuff but uh, jeez <laughs> so you know importing illegal goods oh my god <laughs> And even with, even with the 18, it's still occasionally a thing, isn't it? There's been um, Disco Elysium was in the news recently because that's been refused classification. Or at least yeah, the final they still, version has. They're still, we've got a conservative government at the moment, so they still mm -hmm. like to ban, or not ban stuff, but like, you know, protect the children. Yeah. And Save <laughs> the children! We now have an adult, <laughs> yeah, even though we now have an 18 plus rating, which there was actually a lobby group from my city that basically made that happen. Hmm. So we've got an adult rating now, but they still like to just, yeah, I don't know. Uh -huh. 
No, I, I feel you. Yeah. I'm yeah, so currently that's... living under a conservative government too. It's well, provincial one. It's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, I, I I love my country, and you know, not in a weird way, but that as far as countries go, our government's fine, but they are on a conservative kind of angle at the moment, so it's a bit annoying at times. <laughs> that's fair. Um, but yeah, so that, that's that's pretty much what living here has done to me. Nice. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, that sounds so ominous. That's what it's done to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's go to our next question then. So what's your gaming kind of background or preference? You talked a lot about your six terabytes of PC, so I'm guessing there's and some Doom. PC gaming in there. <laughs> yeah, I've got Doom on the mind for some reason. But, um, well, background-wise, I grew up... Uh, I was born in 1982, so I spent my super childhood in, in the 80s. But even that, I was living in the Middle East with my family. Because my dad was working there, so we all moved over to a country called Oman, which is kind of just mm. south of Dubai, if you don't know. I have a um, friend from Oman, actually. So yeah. there was, yeah, it's funny. I always meet people who are like, oh, I've been there, or yeah, mm. I've got a friend who lived there. And, you know. <laughs> but so there wasn't really any English media. Like there was an English news broadcast each night on telly. But other than that, you had to basically go buy rip-off cassettes or videos for movies. But there wasn't any like, games or even tv shows or anything like that so right up until like 1990 i didn't really have any any kind of gaming in my life <laughs> mm. but then when when i moved back to australia with my family we that was like okay time to hit the arcades time to you know get our commodore 64 fired up <laughs> and which we did have in oman but we just never used it so you know we were too busy outside doing outside play <laughs> and um <laughs> Because it was all just too damn hot. <laughs> and Fair. So, yeah, I, I initially started, like, playing Commodore 64 games and playing, like, fighting games and stuff in, in arcades with friends. And then, like, gradually moved. It, it's funny. I gradually moved from, moved from, like, Commodore 64 to, like, I got a NES and then I got a SNES. And then I went straight back to PC and kind of never really got off my PC. And... <laughs> And even then, I didn't have heaps of friends who were into gaming. So when I had my Nintendo systems, I never, like, I've never played a Zelda game, which I know is shocking to some people. But even having owned Nintendo platforms, I've never, it just never occurred to me. <laughs> um, so I played heaps of other games, like all the Marios and, you know, Mario Kart, obviously, and Excite Bike was one of my favorites. And, <laughs> you know, a whole lot of games that everyone plays, but there's some real big ones that I just kind of, you know, went straight over my head. <laughs> and, Fair. <laughs> and then, yeah, since then, basically, I got my own computer when I started high school in, like, 95, and, like, my own PC, I mean. And so, you know, since then, it was like, yep, I'm playing Civilization, I'm playing Doom, I'm playing Descent, um, <laughs> all these great games that used to be, like, shareware and stuff. Mm. And, and then, yeah, since then... I'm back onto consoles again because I'm older and wiser and have more money and can buy my own things. <laughs> <laughs> and so now I've got like one of everything. And <laughs> <laughs> But I, yeah, I still kind of, yeah, just stick to PC most of the time just because that's where most of my games are. <laughs> so would you say that's kind of your console of choice then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, to, to segue into that one. Um, <laughs> it's, I, I don't think of PC as console, mm-hmm. but that's just, you know semantics <laughs> um, but like as far as a gaming platform yeah definitely because and m- mostly just out of convenience because um like well i guess another outcome of living in australia is 
consoles cost way much, way more, well, more than they do like in the States. And I don't know about in England or anything, but because um, it's just a straight uh, currency conversion. So when I bought my PS3, which was the original big, uh, you know, like Breville Toastmaker kind of version. <laughs> the <backwards laughs> compatible one, yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it cost me like almost $1,000 of Australian dollars. <laughs> and, you know, as far as what they're worth, it's not like, oh, yeah, but that's that's kind of standard. It's like, no, that's still expensive. Like, <laughs> we, we consider that to be expensive regardless. <laughs> so I did get like a couple of games with it, including like Guitar Hero and stuff. So that bumped up the price by a couple hundred bucks. But there was still like $800 on release. So, you know, they're expensive. <laughs> I suppose Whereas, the geography is part of that, though, because you've got to get them in. And, and yeah. to a lesser extent, that applies to us in the UK. But uh, because we have Europe right next door, a lot of the channels are, are the same. And it's just a hop from France, whereas it's a bit more of an effort to get things out to you, I suppose. You think Japan? Yeah. Well, I don't know. And, not that far away. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you'd think that, yeah. Yeah. But they seem to do the same thing with digital releases. So hmm. <laughs> who knows? Because <laughs> it's that they'll charge 60 us for us. So that ends up being like over a hundred bucks Australian for new releases. Like if you look at the PlayStation store, you'll often see new releases for like $120 for the deluxe version, which, you know, gives you a couple of skins or something. (laughs) It's getting like that here too. Honestly, it's kind of nuts. Like games are starting to get up to that point. It's like, get the deluxe version, $120 to the point where like they'll discount it to like 40. And I'm like, that's the actual price. Like the 120 (laughs) is the bullshit price. Uh, that's okay. the Ubisoft trick, isn't it? Two months later, it's like half price. It's like not even you expected to sell it. For. Legions okay. was like two weeks yeah, later. It was like forty bucks. It was insane. It two was weeks. yeah, uh, maybe two weeks. I managed wow. it too early, but it was pretty wow. much. It was less than a month, I think. So I started picking up console stuff like more physically because of just purely out of price. Like I love digital, and I like not having boxes and things all over the place. So <laughs> mm-hmm. you know that's my preference, but. Lately, I've been buying physical games for my PlayStation and my Xbox just because, like you say, like, like Legion came out and within a week I could get it for, say, $40 physically or it was still like 80 bucks on the online store. So I'm like, nah, I think I'll just order a copy. Right. <laughs> no brainer, really. Nice. Yeah. Um, so what got you into gaming? You sort of mentioned it a little bit, but I'm wondering if you have like a story you remember. <laughs> uh, it's It's... It's hard to say. It's more just because, like, my dad, like, we had a Commodore 64 in our house, and that's kind of my first memory of playing games. Mm. And because there were some good games in there. There was, there was a classic one called Pole Position, which is a Formula One game. There's a classic, another classic called Where in the World is Come in San Diego, which most people do know. <laughs> I've heard of that. Dude, I played that uh, game so much which... when I was a kid. <laughs> I it was know. awesome. It's great. <laughs> and educational. <laughs> Alternatively, there was another game which I really got into called Monty on the Run, which was a really dodgy platformer. And there's a video on YouTube where someone finishes it in 10 minutes. But as a kid, I never did finish it because it was too hard. And and you're basically a mole who's platforming their way out of a house and avoiding aliens. And that's pretty much it. Don't know why, but anyway. But yeah, we had a Commodore 64 because mostly because of my dad, because he had it for work or something. So as a result, Myself and my sister would just kind of use it every now and then and play some games. And that's that's kind of what just got me into it. And I thought, oh, I like this. This is cool. <laughs> and on topic, I'll, I'll that's keep... another one where uh, it would take forever to load. Like my dad had one, so I know yeah. a little bit about it. Obviously, it comes off a cassette tape. So you like you set it up, you go make a copy, you come back, and it's still sort of winding itself up. Yep. Crazy. <laughs> Amazing. That's great. 
Um, so the last question we have before we move along to your games you've beaten is, uh, what's the story behind your username? It's a real bullshit story because it's <laughs> made up. <laughs> um, now again, from being from being a little bit on the I don't know early adopter of the internet kind of side, <laughs> um, when I was on say like IRC channels or early emails and stuff, always had a different username on everything and. They weren't always well understood. Like, I don't know if you remember the first season of South Park and the character Starvin Marvin. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I do surprise It took me a second, but yeah. 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 I quite I quite like the first season of, of South Park. So my name was Starvin Josh for a while, because Josh is my real name, in case anyone didn't know. <laughs> and you know, then I was I think I was Jelly Man for a while. Don't ask don't know why. <laughs> I've still got friends who call me that, is why I remember. Nice. <laughs> and then I, I played in bands and stuff, so I used to like really, I really like naming things. Like, hey, here's a cool band name. Let's try that for a week. <laughs> so when I was in high school, I used to just like come out with names and thinking, you know, cool. And Avatars just kind of sounded kind of cool and <laughs> be like Sabotage, but not quite. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it is pretty cool. Um, and then, <laughs> well, it, it eventually it just kind of stuck. So that's the one I've got now. And, you know, back in the day, it used to be you'd change your name all the time because who cares? But now it's you're kind of a bit better off if you stick with the same name because then I know more more people online and more people that I know purely online as well. So it's easier for them just to know who I am if they look. <laughs> so, you know, because it's, it's not easy to – it's not hard to find someone based on their username these days. <laughs> no. No, that's very true. Type that in, you find every very single true. thing they've so, done. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you for – Telling us a little bit more about yourself. That was great. <laughs> um, we'll get to know you even more as we talk about your games. So why don't we move on to what Ooh. have you beaten recently? I see one here that I'm sure Rick will be happy about. <laughs> and I, I can't wait for you to tell us why it's your favorite game ever too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking I might, I might leave that to last. But, um, okay. Excuse yeah, me. Okay. Uh, well, actually, I, yeah, I, there's a couple here I wrote down which I've got things to say about. Good. Uh, which I, we'll, start, we'll start with Dirt 5 because... I love me some dirt racing series. Again, back in the day, Colin McRae rally was like the tits when I was a kid. <laughs> if I can say that. <laughs> sure, you can say <laughs> anything you want. <laughs> and so I've played kind of every single game in that series since it's come out. And when it changed to the dirt series and all that, it, it just got kind of better because mm. they started putting more money behind it. And every kind of iteration just got so much more better and so much, you know, the simulation was better. All that kind of thing. I'm a terrible racing game player as far as skill goes, but I have a lot of fun. So that's why I play them. It's kind of like fighting games. I'm awful at them, but have a lot of fun. 100%. <laughs> like I love Dragon so, Ball Z fighters and I'm terrible at it, but it's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like You don't have to go online and prove yourself. You can just play easy mode. <laughs> <laughs> so then Dirt decided they'd do their Dirt Rally series, which or Codemasters rather, which... I found kind of annoying because being a casual player, the first Dirt Rally didn't have any difficulty settings, just kind of threw you in. Every race I'm coming late lasts by a good mile, and there's no way to adjust that, whereas most of the other games, you can at least adjust it to show you're in the pack kind of thing. Mm. <laughs> and the Rally ones are much um, more simmy, right? Yeah, they, they, they lean much harder into the simulation side of it as opposed to the fun arcadey thing. And I think partly because of, of as a response to a previous game that they brought out called Showdown, which was way more casual and hence got slammed by critics and players alike. 
um, for not being simmy enough. So they've kind of split the franchise into two parts now where they've got the Dirt Rally series, which is the the serious, I've got, a, I've got you know, a steering wheel and a sim setup, I'm going to play Dirt Rally. And and then they've got the Dirt series, which is much more use your gamepad casual and just go for it. And I played Dirt 5 because it was on, I wanted to check it out anyway, but it was on Game Pass. So I'm like, sure, let's fire it up. I played all the way through it, so I still played it because I enjoy it. But my God, it was so bare bones. There's like less cars. It even felt bad as far as the simulation goes. Mm. And because usually you can like, it's hard to say with that game feel, but I think anyone who plays games should know what I mean when I say like you can feel the wheels, each wheel moving independently. And, Mm. you know, you can feel the weight of the car shift as you turn around a corner and all that kind of thing. Like there's all that cool feedback that they include. And so overall, basically Dirt 5 was a bit of a disappointment. So my, my recommendation to anyone out there who's thinking of picking it up and getting back to the old days is maybe go play Dirt 3 again because that was the last good one. So. <laughs> good to know. So I don't know, you guys are into racing games at all? Not really. Mm, Ab- not really. I love Outside Mario Kart. Mario, oh, like, <laughs> That's not happening yeah, Mario Kart is like the closest I've, uh, I've gone was- to any... I have to say, though, like racing games are the games that I always want to like, you know, like they're games that I'm like, (laughs) I love the idea of it. And like you say, I'll start up one of them and I'm like, this is this is so cool. And then I'm just like, I'm so bad. (laughs) Like It's just it's hard, you know, or I lose Uh, motivation. I'm like, the first thing I do is I turn that difficulty way down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So otherwise, it's just torture and you just feel like. You're constantly losing all the time, so, which isn't a lot of fun. But um, I'm curious. But to yeah, hear... they're good games. It, no, go on. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, if you want to keep talking about Dirt Five, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts on Genesis Noir because I saw that one pop on Game Pass recently, and I'm like, I'm I'm mm. a little intrigued by it. My thoughts on Genesis Noir. Uh, I just finished it yesterday, or oh. yesterday my time. If you've got Game Pass, definitely check it out. If you don't, maybe watch a bit online and see if you like it. Mm. I can see how it would be quite it might be quite divisive because it's very it's awesome in a lot of ways like the music is outstanding I'm not the biggest jazz fan but I am now after watching after playing this game because they incorporate it so well into the game and there's like improvisational parts where you're playing improvisational like sax jazz against someone who's playing like a double bass and you're having like a little jam off kind of thing (laughs) And there's and the art is fantastic. Yeah, the art's amazing. It's it's just a cool two D, very simplistic kind of line drawing style. But then it gets really quite surreal in parts because without giving away too much, basically the whole game is like a journey through space and time in the history of the universe from the Big Bang straight through to now. Mm-hmm. So each kind of level is taking on a concept kind of thing. So mm-hmm. one of it might be one level might be growth. So to get through it, you have to like plant certain seeds in areas to kind of unlock paths through a landscape or something like that. Or like another might be like singularity. So you're like creating black holes to make another path through an area. Or you know, it, it sounds crap when I talk about it, but it's actually quite good. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I get all, you. It's all set to this like super noir, you know, 1920s kind of jazz theme. And even like the Big Bang in one concept is someone shooting a gun at someone who you're trying to save so you go from what the point of when that shot happens as the big bang all the way through to where it hits that person and that's kind of like the timeline that you follow yeah it's just it's heavy heavy on the surreal and and the style definitely worth playing if that sounds interesting but 
I can see why some people might be like, ah. <laughs> it's bumping up on my list, that's for sure. I mean, I got Game Pass, whatever, download it. <laughs> it it's a no-brainer if you've got Game Pass, Pass because it's like, well, yeah. There's, and it's a short game too. It's only like four hours or something. Mm, music to my ears. <laughs> Which my my only my only complaint is that there are a couple of points in some of the levels where I got stuck and was unable to like click on the thing I needed to click on. So I had to restart the whole level, and there's no like mid saves oh. or anything. Oh. So at one point, especially in the very very last level, there was. And, which is a big kind of epic ending, which is awesome. Mm. But it bugged out for me about two thirds in and I had ah. to start again. So I basically wasted a whole hour That's and that kind of pissed me off. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like the Bioshock stuff I dealt with. Ugh, I hate that. But it's a credit to the game that I still have positive thoughts about it because just as a little subtext to that, I, I played Spirit Spiritfarer last year. Mm. And when it first came out, there was a game breaking bug where you couldn't progress after about 10 hours, which I hit. <sighs> Oh, and, and I was so annoyed. I had like a little whinge on Twitter to the devs, and they're like, "We're sorry." But, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bruh. I but again, credit to the game. game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, credit to the game. They patched it to fix it, and I thought, uh, I'll just put it down for now, and I'll, I'll come back if I feel like it. And I felt like it about a month later, and I played through the whole game and finished it and loved every moment of it, kind of thing. So that's that's another good one to check out if you're into cool stories and interesting ways of telling them uh just to another, another quick one I, I played was nuts <laughs> if anyone's heard of nuts i have it's on apple arcade as well so now that fantasian's dropped i'm thinking i might try it when i when i clock the month but you played it on pc it's like a squirrel watching yep. sim sort of thing isn't it yep it's really cool <laughs> it's again it's not really it's again i can see how it's not really for everyone it's very slow basically you take it day by day and each day you're you're trying to like map the path of squirrels in certain areas to to kind of gauge environmental impact and there's a very strong you know environmental message to the game which is cool i i dig that the basic gameplay the the moment-to-moment gameplay is that you've got cameras that you can set up around this area and so you set them up and then you go back to your caravan and you press record for the night and then you go through the videos of what they saw over the evening and you're hoping to catch squirrels moving around (laughs) and and going to their horde where they've got all their nuts. So it takes you a few nights because initially you see them come down a tree and then they run off to like camera left. So you go set up some more cameras the next day over that way, hoping to catch him running that way. And then you spend the night recording again. You what you review the footage and you're like, oh, he went that way then and around that rock and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, it can take you like three or four days to actually figure out where they're going. It's just a really simple, satisfying, good looking game as well. It's got that kind of, uh, I don't know if you know uh, Return of the Oberdin. Yeah, it's got that yeah. kind of uh, almost like just... negativey monochromatic look, isn't it? Although it's like yeah, blue like and a, orangey rather than black like a and two white. bit color palette kind of thing. That's what I was trying right. to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's not it's not as harsh as Oberdin, but it's like close. It's like two or three colors all up, and that's it. So yeah, it's again nice and short, <laughs> easy to pick up and play, and you know, not get too hung up on. <laughs> Yeah, so Nuts is great. I definitely recommend that to anyone. And then before we go on to the the big game of your completions, because uh, I've played a little bit of this now, so I do want to talk to you about oh, it. Oh, you have? I was hoping I have. have. I forgot to put it on my plane, but when I was uh, <laughs> when I was doing a bit of Narita Boys to talk about, I, I started uh, Hooney Pop 2, uh, the best match three game you can't tell your friends about. Um, <laughs> what do you think? I mechanically think it's much better. I think the double date system like really adds a lot because it, it's another thing mm. that you've got to juggle. 
I think in, in the opening sort of hour and a half of play, I've failed more times than I failed the entirety of the first game. I almost <laughs> wish it wasn't uh, a H game because I, I think there's barely anything there. There's only like 10 CG slots when I looked at the at the gallery. And I, I think it'd be much more palatable if it did more of a Galgun sort of thing where it, it's really mm. plays into that without crossing that line. And I, I think yeah, if it totally. did that, I'd, I'd be much more happy to say to my friends, look, trust me, ignore <laughs> it going in. It's good. And I'd, I'd be comfortable telling people about it. Whereas like there are actual nudity bits in it at the moment. And I'm, I'm just not, not at that place IRL where I can tell people about it, but it's good. It's really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm imagining you're going to say the same thing uh, you said. I, I love the first game and I love this game. Not at all. I know it's like, eh, but not at all because of the theme, really. The theme to me is just funny. Yeah. As in, oh, yeah. So they're just kind of having a laugh and a dig at, you know, H games or whatever. And it, it was a Kickstarter thing. So they, they're trying to be a bit niche and, you know, cater to their audience, I suppose. But the surprising thing, like anyone who played Honey Pop originally uh, figured out, was that the gameplay is really good. Yeah. And as far as match three games go, they've really nailed it. And it's it's excellent. <laughs> and, um, I, I don't think there's anything quite like it. Like even even the ones that are yeah. generally considered good, I think it just blows them all out of the water. Well, I, I, I think of it in comparison to something like Puzzle Quest. I don't know if you've played that. Which I is, have very briefly. Yeah, sorry. Go on. Yeah, it's kind of like trying to make a hybrid of an RPG and a match three. So you have like abilities where you might be able to cast a spell if you match three red gems or something like that. So it's kind of similar in that sense. And I loved Puzzle Quest too. Like I spent ages in that game completing it 100%. The only thing that's come close to like Honey Pop and Puzzle Quest are the only ones that have really held my interest as far as match threes go. In which case, <laughs> um, let me let me throw you a recommendation because the one right. <laughs> uh, that jumps at me um, in comparison for like puzzle games that just grab you, and, and this one was to the point where I had dreams about the puzzles, which I think sort of speaks <laughs> for itself. Uh, and I'm going to have to double check the exact name. It's a Might and Magic spinoff for the 3DS. Uh, not for the 3DS, sorry, for the DS. Uh, there is a PC version on Steam, but unless they patched it, it wasn't excellent. Um, yeah, it's called Might <laughs> and Magic Clash of Heroes. Oh, I think I've heard of that, yeah. It's excellent. Uh, talking 9 out of 10, maybe even a 10. Uh, really, really yeah, awesome. well-conceived. And it's like that where it's a, an RPG. There's like five campaigns in each campaign you play. You have slightly different units that you have to match together in slightly different ways. And because it's on the DS, you've got your opponent's grid and your grid. And when you match yep. them together, those units sort of get sent up onto the other side. Um, and there's yeah, like health yes. bars. And it, it's just a really excellent puzzle game. And if you like mm. um, Honey Pop and Puzzle Quest, you absolutely are going to have a good time with that one. But yeah, probably totally. probably not as good a time as you had with 13 Sentinels. Well, just, just to, fit, to put a little oh, sorry, bow on, on Honey Pop 2, the thing I do like about it compared to the first game is that for anyone who's played the first game, Honey Pop 2 is basically the same thing, but they've gotten rid of all the busy work. Yeah. Like, there's still some busy work, but it's much more streamlined. It's just buy some gifts, go on a date, play the game. <laughs> it's still exactly the same sense of humor. So if you're into that, that's cool. It's kind of a bit cringe here and there, but you know, <laughs> it's basically a tighter, better version of the first game. Yeah, the, the, the greatest game ever that I failed to love as much as Rick... <laughs> I also oh. finished 13 Sentinels. <laughs> I knew this was coming up and hamming it up, but you already told me it was like eight and a half out yeah, of yeah. 10. Well, you've, you're being generous. <laughs> oh, am I? I'm misremembering. I'm, I'm... No, I said I'd call it very good because I don't really do numbers. So <laughs> <laughs> Very good out of 10. As a setup, I've, I don't play games like 13 Sentinels. And my main reason for playing it was because Rick 
rabbited on about it so much <laughs> on Discord and on here and on the forums and that kind of thing. So, and then looking at it, I got another a streamer I watched called Wooly Versus. I don't know if any of you guys watch. He used to be part of the Super Best Friends crew. He was playing it on his stream, so I watched it there as well. And and because it's Vanillaware and the art is amazing, it piqued my interest. And I kind of watched a bit of it being played, and I thought, oh, that actually looks quite interesting. So I thought I'd pick it up thanks to good recommendations and seeing that it looks cool. And it is, for the most part. It's very, very cool. And I just have a couple of issues with some of the narrative outcomes <laughs> and resolutions. Because <laughs> um, essentially, for anyone who doesn't know, if they haven't been told by Rick already, it's there's two layers. There's ultimately two layers to it. There's a combat layer and a story layer. And so the combat layer is really cool. It's basically turn-based RTS. And that's actually a lot of fun. Although it's easy to cheese as you get later into the game and you kind of unlock better abilities you kind of go oh i'll just do this all the time and you'd win every game kind of thing i don't <laughs> think every, i got a single non-x rank in my entire run no on the only thing i didn't get was all the bonus objectives on all of them because there's a there's a system where your um fighters will exhaust and then on some maps you need to play with certain fighters but mine might have been exhausted at the time so i just had to repeat it once they were back to you know back in the game but that was a lot of fun. I really liked that. And it was quite different to a lot of games I've played before. Then there's a story mode, which is, and this is not a bad thing, but it's like convoluted and confusing and <laughs> complex and lots of different things going on on top of each other all the time. And it's very JRPG in that sense, I guess. <laughs> um, mm. Or it's, it's got that kind of Eastern flavor of storytelling to me, like Westerners sort of get it dumbed down a bit. <laughs> which, yeah, that's pretty fair. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like, it's not a bad thing. Like, I quite enjoyed it because the whole time through the story, 80% of the time, I'm thinking, what the hell is going on? Yeah. <laughs> I'll just, I'm just going with it. Cool. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> but then by the time you get to the end, it does get nicely wrapped up and you go, oh, okay, that's what they meant by that. And, you know, that will happen there. And, oh, okay, I see what they were getting at there. And that explains that scene and blah, blah, blah. The only thing I didn't like, which really put a knock on it for me, was some of the resolutions of it was a bit too. It kind of was like, see, we tied it up in a bow, but I'm like, eh, did you though? Or did you just make it really simple answer to a complex question and went, there you go, that's enough. Gotcha. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so I kind of wanted a bit more meat to the ending personally. And which is, you know, after they've got like, I don't know how long the end cut scene is to try and explain everything to you, <laughs> but <laughs> it's got a pretty long outro. But yeah, overall, it was a really good time and it was a great game. And as like I say, it wasn't something I would normally play. So I'm really glad to have played it because I enjoyed myself. Mm. And I'm usually quite averse to JRPGs and that sort of thing just because. So it was nice to get out of my comfort zone a little and play something I, I wouldn't normally play. So thank you, Rick, for that, because that was a good recommendation. <laughs> good recommendation, <laughs> um, if you will. Well, exactly. <laughs> nice. And I'm very glad I played it. And yeah. I platinumed it as well, so it mustn't have been that bad. Ah, not. <laughs> Should we uh, move yeah. on then to what have you retired recently? Speaking of games that maybe yep. weren't so great. <laughs> okay, so I recently got an Xbox for the first time ever, mm -hmm. about a year ago. So recently for me. Um, so I've been, you know, going through a whole bunch of Xbox exclusives that I've never played before. <laughs> One of them being Halo, well, the Halo series, yeah. <laughs> along with like Gears of War and some other classics. And I just retired Halo, <laughs> <laughs> the first Halo game on the in the master collection. So it's like the remastered version. 
Yeah, no, no, I was playing it solo. So again, okay. yeah, <laughs> I get how it would be heaps better co-op and heaps better in multiplayer. Um, and I can see why it was so cool at the time and all that kind of thing. But it just couldn't, after like five hours or so, I just kind of got bored. And I don't mean that mainly to the game. It's more just, I think it's more a case of being, you know, my shooter history is more Team Fortress Classic or just Team Fortress at the time. <laughs> and, um, and you know, multiplayer Quake and even multiplayer Doom and things like Rise of the Triads back in the day, that sort of thing. So this feels very, very slow. Yeah, Mostly that's because fair. It's on a controller. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, all like Unreal Tournament, I used to play a lot and all that kind of thing. So I'm I'm more used to PC twitchy shooters, which is not saying one's better than the other. It's just they're very different styles of gameplay based on the hardware. So you know, with a controller, you just can't turn as quickly as you can with a mouse mm -hmm. because you push your stick and that's it. You just got to wait until you turn. <laughs> Whereas a mouse, you can just like flick it as hard as you want, and there you are. You've just turned around five times and you don't know where you are. So that's, it just, yeah, I didn't dislike it. I was quite glad to have experienced it and kind of got learned all the weapons and that sort of stuff and mm. see what all my friends have talked about back in the day. But yeah, I had to retire because it was just boring. I feel like Halo <laughs> Reach is a good one to go to. Like if you find that uh, person boring, I find Reach is- People have told me that. Yeah. It's just like mm. story-wise, it's and the most interesting and conceptually it's the most interesting, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I like the idea of it. It's very kind of- as in the story of the first one's cool, was like mm. as someone who doesn't know anything about Halo, it's still interesting. And especially for the time, I like it seems really ambitious. And, you know, like there's some really cool scenes of like the Halo and that kind of thing, which I like. I can see at the time it would be like, whoa, check this out. It's like playing Mass Effect for the first time, kind of thing. Like, look at what they've done. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, I retired that. I also retired, retired the new Battletoads, which mm. came out last year. Um, it was on Game Pass, which is why I played it, and I like the original. But it's just a generic beat em up. It's nothing special. It, it kind of lost a lot of its identity because it just feels kind of generic. And you know, even the the toads themselves, like you can switch between the three toads. And so there's there's the big guy who's slow and strong. There's the little guy who's quick but weak. There's the middle guy who's between the two. <laughs> and and so there's still like cool moves and stuff where they get very cartoony and they like pull in like a big rocket and smack someone with it or something and you know those kind of fun moves but after at least an hour or two you kind of go yeah i'm just doing the same thing over and over and i'm a bit bored now <laughs> was there more of a difference between them and the originals because I've, I've never played a battletoads game i'm not excuse me i'm not really into beat em up so it's never been something that's jumped at me yeah it's it's quite different it's more well as far as i got it could have changed later in the game because i didn't get that far in i got maybe i think maybe half an hour oh not half an hour halfway so like the first game, they could have changed it up because the first game changed it up quite a bit with, uh, you know, there's a first person shooter section, there's a racing section, there's a hard platforming section, um, you know, so they did change it up a fair bit in the original, but this was just literally, it felt like they've just reskinned Double Dragon and changed a few of the moves and put in some jokes and that's about it. Right. And <laughs> so, you know, got bored of that one. The next two are both... PC games which I were playing, but they just kind of lost my interest. One of them was Xenoclash. I don't know if you've ever played that. Rings a bell. I can't say I've played it. it. Is that the first um, person one? The, like the fighting? Yeah. yeah. It's a first person melee action game where, and it was based on, I think, the Half Life 2 engine. And it came out not long after that. Like it's, that was relevant for when it came out. Again, a lot of fun, but kind of just, it's one gimmick is that you can 
instead of shooting guns, you're going like this and like putting your fists up and punching people. It gets old after a while. <laughs> and Waves too. It, Waves was one of my first uh, twin stick shooters that I really, really loved. And it's just basic. You're just a ball in an arena and stuff comes at you and you shoot it. And it's just a lot of fun. It's great music, all that kind of thing. Waves 2 was a kickstarted sequel to it, which kind of never got finished. <laughs> so that's why I retired that one. Or at least last time I looked at it, it hadn't been finished. It might have had something now. Who knows? And then, yeah, Disneyland Adventures. It was on Connect and it's on Game Pass. I'm like, let's cruise around Disneyland for a while. <laughs> it's a kid's game. It's really cool. But there's so much to it. Like, you could play that game for hundreds of hours, literally. <laughs> Just cruising around the Disneyland park, you know, finding spoons for the Mad Hatter or something. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But it's a cool game. It's just there's too much there. I'm not going to finish it. <laughs> and then, yeah, I haven't officially retired it yet, but I have been kind of playing Narita Boy, if we want to talk about that, because I know you guys, or some of you guys have as well. My very quick take on it is that it's very, very stylish. The aesthetic's awesome. The sci-fi kind of synth wave aspect I dig. The controls are a bit sloppy and a bit floaty, and I don't like platformers, so <laughs> that's why I probably will retire it. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, I put this back on the agenda because I, I thought you had retired it. I misunderstood that one. So you finished it, haven't you, Alex? I've played an hour of yeah. it at this point. I like it. It speaks to me. There are definitely flaws, and the the, the movement is the biggest one. Like, like you say, it just is very floaty, um, you feel very skatey as you're as you're immediately exiting and revisiting dry land. Uh, also, like for a game of the three hit combo, you have like a window where you can be caught between your second and third attack. I want to say that that's a deliberate choice by the developers to make you think more about placement rather than mashing. Based on all of the other co- all of the other um, control sort of slip ups, I'm inclined to think that's just inexperience and something slipping through. But yeah. it speaks to me. I reckon I'll end up finishing it. What did you think about Alex? I, I beat this game, and my opinion soured a lot near the end. I was very close to to retiring it. I also just I have I have major issues actually with the story of it too. Like a lot of the theming of the game, I I just have some like maybe we'll talk about this more when you beat it. But part part some of the theming, I'm like I'm sick and tired of the narratives of like the shitty dude no spoiler, and why please. he did all his shitty things. I just put it that way. I'm just yeah. kind of tired of those games. It's not, it's not really a spoiler. Like you'll get it when you get through there. I I'm just, and that's just like a personal thing, but like you'll kind of understand when you get to the end of it, it's like, I don't know. Anyway, it, it tries to do some like psychology stuff, but like, it's like pop psychology. You know what I mean? Where it's like, right. You know, oh. and you're just like, this isn't real, you know? Like, I'm just like, and like, you're it's, obviously it's not real, Alex. It's a video game. I know, but like, you're trying to play it off like it's deep. And anyway, I, but also I was probably harsher on it because of the fact that I was like, this is so floaty. Half the time my jumps, I don't know where the hell I'm going to land. I'm just like, where, where am I going to go? And I, I miss jumps so many times where I was like, that was that was not my fault. Like I jumped and I tried to aim it and I just yeah. didn't get it. And then the hitboxes are all over the place. Like sometimes I'll be standing like in an enemy and I'm fine, but then other times uh, there there is an enemy later in the game that where you have to jump and you have to like do a dash away from them. And honest to God, I would do it the exact same way three out of ten times. It would work. The other seven, it's like, nah, you got hit. And it's like, but why? I don't understand. Where is the hitbox? I what is happening? I'm like, <laughs> why am I getting hit like this? And there's only one way to beat the enemy. So like eventually, you know what I mean? Like it's like it gives you all these tools, but the tools ultimately are for one purpose. And you're like, 
oh man, this isn't fun. I'm just repeating the same things over and over again. So I beat it out of rage. <laughs> I was like, I will defeat you. <laughs> that was my thing. But like, I'm also like, also though, I mean, God, it's, it's like a free little experience. Like, and aesthetically it's really cool, but also it front loads so much shit on you. Like there is so much text at the beginning of this game and it's stuff I do not care about. It's like explaining this world. And I'm like, bruh, you have designed one of the coolest looking worlds I have seen in so long. And you're going to tell me about it. I'm like, just, just let me go into this world. It's so cool. Like, you know what I mean? I'm almost, I feel like they don't, it's almost like they didn't realize how genuinely cool their world looks already. And like they did all the work. They didn't have to explain everything in like giant monologues of gobbledygook that would have, by the way, one piece of very important information buried in it. So you're like, (laughs) I have to read these things because if I don't, what's your counterpoint? counterpoint? (laughs) All the 80 techno babble feels very of the, of the age and the time and the feel they're trying to evoke. It does feel like it fits to me, at least. Oh no, 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 no! Point. It fits. It's just bad. Um, you know, like it's like, you know, what I mean, it, it could fit and still suck. You know what I'm saying? Like they could. Okay, the techno babble could have been reduced, is what I'm saying, right? Like it didn't have to be. Like honestly, before I started the game, I was sitting there and I was like hitting A, and I'm like, holy shit, am I? St- still reading this like like that that first part is especially a little it drags a little bit too long i think yeah look let me put it this way yeah yeah no go on i was just gonna say like to be fair i'm being harsh on this because there's a lot it because the game is so close to being really good you know like it's like really damn close and it's just like all these flaws hit me to the point where i'm like it's so aggravating right because most of the time i would go like i really love this and then other moments i'm like what am i doing with my life right now (laughs) (laughs) i mean like you were the chosen one we were all rooting for you sort of thing yeah oh dear matt well i feel like we could talk about this game all day and we probably will when i beat it yeah we should move on to what we're playing and um dumpster fire if you want to tell us what happened when we all went to monster camp that would be awesome <laughs> yeah sorry Paula, we haven't heard from you for a while <laughs> <laughs> well, oh wait you're talking to me <laughs> yeah that's your name forever now mm-hmm. oh i know so, um so yesterday at the time of recording we played a round of monster camp to welcome avatachin to the group and it went in many chaotic ways that I <laughs> didn't expect when we first started. It is pretty much the sequel to Monster Prop, so it was a good time. That? <laughs> it was a very good time. I really like that they added those little like drink cocktails kind of thing in between the rounds because it threw some extra chaos to the mix and some extra chaos it threw because Rick here got a blood transfusion and stole our stats. Yeah, man. <laughs> I got a dumpster fire drink and my name changed eternally to Monster Fire. Which was kind of great. I didn't even <laughs> recognize it at first. Fire. Yeah, to dumpster fire. <laughs> Suddenly it was just Paula's dumpster fire now, which really though, that's a good nickname. <laughs> <laughs> And then poor Avatar's got a whiskey, which said, uh, this is just yeah. whiskey. It'd be weird if this gave yeah. you no stat bumps, but hey, that's the deal. <laughs> I know, like, 
Um, what did you get done except for good? Um, oh, yeah. I got one that turned all my stats into fantasy stats, which was kind of great, actually. Yes. You know, charm is yeah. charisma now. Yeah. Yeah. Fun is mana. I was like, so I didn't know that's what these were. Right. Um, ultimately, Paula and I did not get dates to the meteor shower, but Rick yeah, and Avatar. Yeah, I was kind of like, with Rick. <laughs> yeah. Man, I got a date with a sexy, muscly demon lady, and uh, Avatar... Yeah. Avatar's got to um, put his floppy in Calculester's hard drive. <laughs> I, I managed to, to to romance the one robotic character who's who has a lovely old like green and black screen as his head. Mm. I really beautiful. I really recommend this game. Like I think I like it more than the first one. Like they're both excellent. 100%. It's just this one has a little like a slightly less randomness, but also very fun randomness in it too. You know. I think the structure is just better. I think the drinks mm-hmm. are better than the weekend stuff. I think it benefits from not mucking around with the shop. I still mm-hmm. think, I think I said this yesterday when we played, I like the the cast of sort of romance options from the first one a little bit better. I still think Calculester is the best character. Him and the uh, the really awful chameleon counselor. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. He's well, wonderful. It's, what is it? Um, a credit counselor to the writing Flash. is... Yeah. Something yeah, like that, yeah. credit to the- and a credit to the writing is it's actually funny. And I think we, we also mentioned that it pushed it a lot harder than the first game in some scenarios where it just takes it to the total logical extreme of a meme or a reference or something like that. And it's just really, really funny. And, yeah, I was still laughing about it hours later as I thought about what happened. So, 100%. It's an excellent game excellent with friends i think they probably are really ones where you need people to play with i think you can still have fun with them solo yeah um but i i know for a fact having played bits of them solo like i've always had more fun with other people yeah i think think especially this the monster camp more so than monster prom especially because of all the reference and the drink sections and pretty much it's more of a you need more people to play the game than the first one yeah yeah, there's more that relies on other people. That's probably fair, actually. Nice. Why don't we then, because I feel like we've all talked a lot. Paula, why don't you tell us what you've been playing? Oh, I've been playing quite a bit in these last few days. Ooh. So, uh, Steam Person is still going through it. And I'm going to save all commentary for the next session. Because I'm currently, like, in terms of the total endings of the game, and two-thirds through the game. Nice. And I'm pretty much like uh, got like five of the seven main endings. Moving on, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Bunny Day sucks. Oh, it's <laughs> back, isn't it? Those freaking eggs. I remember that. I played yeah, it last year. Uh, it was only for a week. Uh, there wasn't like anything like really new to it. So it's like, okay, I don't have to collect the eggs again, which is nice. But on the other hand, it's like, oh, you just got like a couple of new items on the shop. And it was like a little bit underwhelming. Mm. Then another round of Age of Empires 2, Definitive Edition. Um trying out like the Berbers, Berbers, I don't remember the name. But <laughs> I'm just like trying other options when playing with other people. And finally, Zelda 2, the Adventure of Link. And it is a very difficult game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not particularly like good with uh, any size scroller games that rely on precision. And Link sometimes seems that he has eyes on his feet. <laughs> and luckily, the NSL version has uh, that rewind feature that has been making things so much easier for me and for my pages. 
And also, I look up the the manual of the game. There's a PDF like floating around the internet somewhere, and it makes everything so much more epic than it really looks like, and I love it. And I think I'm gonna like elaborate more on that when I get further into the game. Like right now, I'm like only getting to the second palette. Nice. Uh, so yeah, what have you been playing, Alex? Oh, actually, I want to go last for this one, and I'll explain why in a little bit. <laughs> but Rick, what are you next? <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll jump in. So, um, obviously, I've started Nerissa, but we already talked about that. Um, Hades is still in my playing. I still haven't gotten back to it. I, I always feel like I want to set like a proper chunk of time aside when I play it, so I get really into it. And that that just hasn't materialized in, in the time since we last recorded. Been playing a lot of Rocket League again. Uh, been playing a lot of Warzone. Um, they've got an Easter event as well, so you like found find random eggs on the map, and then they give you a piece of contraband that you've got to go and drop and pick up. Um, and there's some blueprints attached to that, so that's good fun. It's been good fun for like it's been out a year now, Warzone, and um, I think they've done a really good job of sort of keeping it fresh is the wrong word, but keeping it engaging, keeping interest in it with new stuff cycling through um, and playlist updates and things like that. So for all the problems that we all have with Activision, uh, I think you've got to give the devil its due. Yeah, that's good too for, for Battle Royals because it seems to me as an observer, having not really played any, they live or die based on how often they get updated and supported and how there's always things going on. Like I think that was the death of PUBG originally was they mm. just didn't update it quick enough and then Fortnite came along and said, hey, every week we're doing new stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, and COD definitely benefits Warzone from that connection in the sense that there's like a unified progression system with Battle Pass. Um Various things that you upgrade um, through normal multiplayer gameplay then carries over uh, into the war zone. Your uh, loadouts carry over, although they've recently split those. I think it's also interesting that it's a, a sort of a halfway house between um, traditional multiplayer and full-on battle royale um, in the sense that you have the gulag so you can spawn back in mid-game. Your friends can buy you back in, which I don't think any other battle royals had any kind of functionality to do before Apex they introduced Legends that. Does. Um, like you can you can bring your your pals back if they die in Apex Legends. I think Apex was just after Warzone, so I, yeah. I, th- okay. I think so. I might be wrong, but um, if, if it wasn't the first, it was among the first. Then um, yeah, yeah. It also has a very different loop because, as as I understand it, um, Apex is very aggressive in trying to bring you into combat situations early on. It's it's much smaller map and much smaller player count mm. so that's part of it but uh warzone because there's there's 150 players on a given map um, and there's various things to do outside of firefight so you have contracts to run you have more things to obtain so with your loadouts and with uavs and uh, various kill streaks and things like that um it can often benefit you to be much smarter about when you engage and how you engage and i, I think that in terms of the loop means that there's more variety in the way that those games go Certainly for me, because I think people with PUBG were complaining sort of a few months in that there's only one map. Uh, and I'm mm. sure there's complaints about that for Warzone, but the map is just so huge and varied. Um, it's rare that you'll be playing in the same portion of the map from one time to the next. But yeah, I mean, if, if anyone's looking for a battle royale, and I know I've spoken about it positively a few times, it's free if you've got the hard drive space. It's uh, it's well <laughs> worth a look. Equally, I've been playing a lot of Ghost of Tsushima Legends, the online portion of that. I'm not as hot on it as I was when I started. I'm not really sure why. I, in fact, no, I take that back. I think there's just not all that much variety. And it's kind of frustrating that the front three quarters of the story are very easy to access. 
but you then have to do a bit of a, a gear and a level grind to be able to take on the last chunk of the story content. And that <laughs> if you were someone who was playing it from when it launched in sort of September, October of last year, and you were keeping up with it as it went through, maybe that makes sense. But that's when Cyberpunk dropped. So I only really started a few weeks ago on it. So it's a bit of a progression gator and that's been a little bit of a, a frustration. But in terms of the mechanics and the everything else, it's uh, it's a good base that it's working from and the combat is still fun. And ultimately it's free. So for the price, you can't really you can't really complain all that much. And then the last two, again, the stuff I talked about last week playing. So Freedom Wars, still good. Similar to Ghost of Tsushima, the content is mixed up, but not enough to engage. So I can see myself potentially putting that down for a week or two and coming back to it. And then Witch Eye for Android, which is still a fun little uh, time waster on mobile. I don't really have much else to say on any of those. It's sort of more of the same. So I, I think that's me. All right. Well, Avatage, what about you? What have you been playing? Well, I'm going to barrel through most of these because I've wasted enough of your time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's, been, it's been valuable. <laughs> no, no, no. Just, just kidding. Um, <laughs> Well, I actually, I pre-ordered Cyberpunk 2077 because I knew that I wanted, I never pre-order stuff unless I know I want to play it. Yeah. So I would have bought it within release week anyway, even with all the bad press and all that kind of thing. So I bought a hard copy because I'm still ancient and on Windows 7 and it doesn't support Windows 7. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I bought a hard copy for Xbox One X and then read all the press and went, I think I'll play Watch Dogs Legion instead and then I'll play 13 Sentinels instead. And I just recently started playing Cyberpunk. And after the first major patch, I think, oh, no, that came just after I started. Loving every second of it. It is my kind of game. Like, I love the big open world, lots of icons on the map, stuff that people hate. I love it. (laughs) I like knocking off all the little side things that kind of get repetitive in other games. But actually in Cyberpunk are quite unique each time, even though you're doing kind of the same sort of thing. There's always... They're very good at putting a little bit of story behind each little scenario yeah. so that it feels a little bit different. Like one of the things you do is there's crimes all over the map so you can like interject and, you know, beat up the bad guys and gather gather the evidence and help out the cops in that way. But it's, you, you basically you get gear and XP for it is why you want to do it. Each scenario, even though they're very similar, they're, they're in a different part of the city so it kind of makes you go to a different part of the city that you might have missed. Or they're in like a tucked away little hideaway or inside a building on top of on the top floor or something. Um, and there's a different story behind each one that kind of gives it a bit of personality. And there's just all those little details that you want from a big, big game like this to keep it interesting. And then the main story is kind of compelling as well. But again, I'm the kind of person who does all the side stuff before the main story. Like I, I think it took me 20 hours to get to the splash screen for the game because <laughs> as soon as you know, you start the game and you're locked into one area, which is like the starting zone. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do everything in this area before I leave because then I know that I'm done with the tutorial kind of thing. <laughs> and so by the time I left, I was already like level 14 and 20 hours in. And then I did the first mission and then it went, hey, welcome to Cyberpunk. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as far as like glitches and stuff go, I think I, I mentioned on Discord and stuff, but I've there's definitely lots of glitches and the game does feel like it's kind of barely stitched together at times. But none of it so far has been game-breaking for me. Like Before the big patch came in, I did have one crash, which was after I'd played it for about four hours straight. And I'd already read that after long periods of gameplay, it may crash. But as Rick's mentioned before as well, like the autosave system in Cyberpunk is so generous that I lost like 30 seconds worth of progress at most when it crashed and I reloaded kind of thing because it just had, it automatically saved you know, just prior to that. Yeah, you sneeze um, and it saves an autosave. It's, it's kind of yeah. crazy. 
it's and I don't know if it's because because it's a bit janky that you appreciate it or <laughs> you know um would I appreciate it if it was like highly polished and nothing ever went wrong <laughs> I don't know but <laughs> but like you know I've fallen through the floor a couple of times I've there's been invisible enemies with just like a weapon dancing around shooting at me <laughs> there's been really really short pop-ins so you're like driving down the street and a truck appears right next to you <laughs> so you know and I'm, I am on Xbox One X so while that's kind of like good last gen console hardware it's kind of bad new gen console hardware um so oh. it's kind of sits in the middle for what i think the game really needs but yeah ultimately the city is amazing to cruise around and it, it's it's cyberpunk through and through it's it's everything you want and more i think <laughs> yeah i couldn't agree more and i think it's just a shame that uh, it will be remembered for the negatives when they get so much right behind those well but deservedly so i think like they should yeah, never have released it when they did <laughs> I, I, I i'm not disagreeing with that i, I yeah, just yeah. think generally Generally, it's a shame that that is the prevailing narrative, and it's not that they don't deserve that. It's just that yeah. it's sad that 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 is what it is. Well, and similarly, it reminds me of No Man's Sky in a way. Different yeah. issues, as in No Man's Sky lied about what they put in the game, <laughs> so it was functional. It just didn't have half the stuff that they advertised. But <laughs> I also don't know how No Man's really Sky keeps no Man's... updating it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I don't well, know how they keep updating it. They just released another giant thing like two or three days ago. Because they like, made oh. that much money. I know, right? My God. <laughs> <laughs> They're a small like team. Every... Well. They made gangbusters at like a $60 release. Yeah. But Their it's false like a 15 advertising got them heaps of money. <laughs> yeah. So but maybe they were I right? I mean. like, I don't... <laughs> they, they, they shouldn't be forgiven for selling you something that they, yeah. you, they weren't providing. Which, just as an aside, I thought was more damning because i actually liked no man's sky on release like when it got released i watched some stuff online and stuff and i thought hey that's my kind of game that's like a podcast game i can do that cruise around the universe and like just kind of chill out and so i got it and i loved every minute of it and to the point since they've updated it i kind of don't like it anymore so i've stopped, I stopped playing it ages ago huh. because they added too much to it that changed the way that you play the game oh, fair. like there's no point having base building in a game where you're exploring the universe because you build a base and then you leave that planet and never come back. And they added all this base building stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to build a base. Like, that means I have to come back here. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I was like in Fallout 4. I was like, stop it. I don't want to make things. Yeah. It's the apocalypse. <laughs> I want to destroy <laughs> things. Not, if you're not making it, why, why would you want to give us 400 atomic points for a tile set? <laughs> I know, right? Jesus. So, what yeah, if- there's I, I, Cyberpunk has come good for me, but not. They, they don't deserve to be praised for that. They should have just done that from the start. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And then a, a newer one called Haven, which is on Game Pass. Very interesting. I'm not heaps far into it, but you basically play as a couple, like a man and a woman, who are stuck on some alien planet. And through the story, you kind of very early on, so it's not really a spoiler, you kind of pick up that they were part of an effort to kind of go out and colonize the universe kind of thing in a way, or like, Earth is dying and they're going to find a new Earth or something to that effect. So they've crash landed on this planet and they're cruising around looking at stuff. And you basically, it's an exploration game in a way where you explore these different kind of floating islands and gather food that you can cook up back at your base. And that gives you, I think it gives you like stat boosts, but I'm not sure I could be wrong. Um, but then there's like a an enemy, which I forget what it's called, Rust, which basically is this uh, tarnish over the land and you can clear it off by traveling through it and then fighting monsters in a very, very simple like turn-based combat 
Um, it's so not the focus of the game, but it just kind of comes up if you run into a hostile monster. But so far, I'm really enjoying it. I haven't really got that far into it to really explain it. But if you've got Game Pass, it's a no-brainer. You should check it out because it's something a little bit different and interesting. That That's fun, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm also finishing off Pyre. Mm, excellent Which game. was a game of the month a while ago. So uh, it's a super giant game, so it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the art and the music are amazing. And I really like... I thing I like about Supergiant is how each of their games kind of tackles a different genre in a way mm-hmm. or like they've all got a different gameplay style I still haven't played hades yet but i did bastion and transistor and now pyre and i like how it's like heavy storytelling in this as well as kind of a sports game for me this the actual sporty game part is probably the least interesting part because it's not that difficult <laughs> on like normal mode whereas i really like discovering how they i really like worlds and world building and you know really weird and wonderful places like this whole concept of how they're fighting to get out from the underworld to go back to reality and all that kind of stuff is that that's really cool in my eyes. And plus the art is just beautiful. You can pause that game like any time and it's printed out and put it on your wall kind of thing. <laughs> and, and the, the music and all that kind of thing. So yeah, no, no real surprise there, but pie is awesome. And I'm just finishing it off. Um, additionally, hand of fate is a pretty oldish one. There's now hand of fate two as well. Again, a very different game. Like it's kind of a deck builder, but the deck uh, also is the progress through the game. So you've got, if anyone doesn't know the game, it's you versus a, I don't know if they have a real, like, human name or anything, but he, a dealer kind of thing. So he deals a bunch of cards and they are location cards or enemies or items or any of that kind of thing. So, and you move your little character, you're trying to get through, think of it like a, almost like a tabletop campaign. Like you're trying to get through a series of encounters and locations where you get different challenges and you can gain or lose health or items or that kind of thing and then fight the end boss and that's it for that one and then you got you unlock more cards and you go on to the next one kind of thing so there's one layer which is like the choose your own adventure thing so he might he might say oh you find a a dead guy at the bottom of a canyon do you want to try and go down there and pillage his corpse and so you try and you basically get shuffled four cards and three of them say success one of them say fail pick a card and if you pick the success you succeed and you gain an item if you fail you fail and you like lose health or whatever i mean it's basically a tabletop kind of stuff, rpg right like it's like the whole basically yeah yeah i love these games i've played both of them i don't know yeah, if i've cool. ever actually beaten them but i really love them they're just so unique and weird and like just kind of fun and it's got that like yeah. sort of fable art style i find well and i'm i'm up to the final boss like that's my where I'm up to because <laughs> you basically play through it as you play each boss kind of thing. I've died multiple times against this one because he's really hard. But the only downside I'd say to the game is the combat gets very gets very easy outside of boss fights because it's a basic counter hit system. So if you just wait for counters, you can just spend all day just countering and hitting, countering and hitting. And that's it, <laughs> you know. So yeah, that's Hand of Fate. One of the most interesting games that I am playing, which I would recommend everyone have a look at and see if it's your jam, is The Church in the Dark, which I don't even know how I got onto this game, but I'm glad I did. It's just one of those ones that you pick up and you're like, holy cow, this is actually really cool. It's a top-down roguelite cult simulator, basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> As in, you, you play a character who whose son, I think, has been indoctrinated into this weird cult that live on an island and like a you know religious doomsday cult who are all going to kill themselves or something. So you're trying to infiltrate the cult and rescue your son and leave kind of thing. That's the loop of the roguelite. But each time you 
attempt it, you learn more about the map and different locations in the cults. So there's like there are locations where there's lots of guards, so you 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 might get spotted, or there's like the leaders of the cult who you can kind of target if you want, or you can stay completely out of the way and get to know other members of the cult and kind of pretend that you're one of them and to get information and find out where your son is. Yeah, it gives you like just so many different ways to play it. And so, you know, one run, I'm in there and I went straight up to the leader and like punched him in the face and <laughs> all the guards came in and put me in a cage and then left me there. And the game continued, <coughs> excuse me. And um, so I broke myself out of the cage, went and found the leader again, punched him again, but this time stole his keys, got myself into like the locked church and found some info that, you know, was damning for the cult or whatever, you know. <laughs> but then another time I just walked in and like pretended like I belonged and like stole an outfit and took, got, got friendly with some other cult member who then like helped me out and told me where people were and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I just kind of played very stealthy and didn't interact really with anyone in a hostile manner. So it's just a cool little game that I think is, yeah, worth a little bit more attention than it might not have had. <laughs> and does you mentioned like finding information about the court is that information that's persistent because the c page makes it look like it's um certain elements of the game change every time you do a run yeah the map changes every time but it's got the same locations if that makes sense oh uh, okay so it's just sort of like <coughs> where everything is and who sort of has what attitude sort of thing yeah like okay there's always going to be a church that's heavily guarded and you know one of the leaders hangs out there kind of thing but it might be in the top left, it might be in the top right, you know, wherever on the map. And there's always like a living area where there's lots of camps and that kind of thing. But that could be somewhere else too. And so they do change up the locations each each time. And th so that you can't just, you know, min-max it and run in and finish it and find your son. Like basically he's in a different spot every time doing right. something different and there's a different way to get him out. So yeah, very interesting little game and one that's definitely worth looking at. Uh, and finally, the, the two last ones that I've been playing the most of, one of them is Hard Space Shipbreaker. Has anyone heard of this game? Can't say I have. No. <laughs> it's a, I think it's still in early access. It's one of those like simulation games that's very, very full of mundane activity, but quite compelling to play, where you're basically a blue-collar worker in the future, and you're in space pulling apart spaceships and you know recycling parts and trashing other parts and getting all the good stuff to try and pay back your billion dollar loan that you've you're in debt with the company you work for too <laughs> huh. so it's really interesting because it plays a lot with like physics and space danger <laughs> as in like you can't just crack open a spaceship you've got to decompress it first and maybe try not to hit the fuel line so that everything blows up or you know, extract the reactor intact and quickly so that you can save it and salvage it instead of it just blow up again. So being early access, it's a little bit limited because there's only like a certain amount of ship variants to kind of get, get into. But it's, it's just one of those games where you kind of switch off and listen to something else and take apart some spaceships, and it's quite fun. Um, alternatively, Generation Zero is another one that, I don't know, I, I find it really compelling, but I feel like people might have slept on it, but then maybe not. Maybe it's just not that much of a interesting game because it's a game where it's based in the 80s but there's big robots who've taken over the land and you play as just a character and you can play co-op or single player like just drop in drop out and you've got this whole open world map and it's up to you to just kind of go forth and do and you discover stories you go in and there's different things pushing you in different directions where you find different gear and 
you know, different stories about what happened in the world and that kind of thing. But all across the, the map are like robots who are hostile to you and there's no people or anything because there's all these robots and you can fight them and shoot them and, you know, kill them hopefully, but they're really, really tough. Like even some of the easy ones in the early game, you can be running around for like half an hour battling these things, trying to get the jump on them kind of thing. Or at least I, I was. <laughs> and then eventually, I know in the late game, they end up being like massive skyscraper-sized robots where, you know, you've really got to have your weapons and your tactics together. But um, it's really interesting because it's basically, it reminds me a little bit of like Escape from Tarkov. I don't know if you've ever seen that online. I'm aware of that, yeah. Where it's a really stark kind of sh- realistic shooter. Obviously, this is like a post-apocalyptic kind of dystopian world where robots have taken over for some reason. But as you play, you kind of learn the history of the place. Like I've just made it to a city on the map where I've found a bunker that's completely empty but has obviously had people living in it. And the and as I read more about it and find things in the bunker, most of the town ended up hiding in there from the robots and all this kind of thing. So there's a lot of story to uncover and you know put context to the world. Again, and a really good game to on. check out. No, you're right. Sorry, I, I was just going to say, is it like Escape from Tarkov where it's um, an online thing and you sort of jump in and out of levels that are slightly different each time, or is it a, a no, single it's more, sort of map that's the same? It's just a big single map. Okay. Yeah. It's more, the, I, I relate it to Tarkov more for like the game feel. Right, like yeah, yeah. You die really. You die really quick. You have to make your shots count. You, you've got real low ammo, like, it's not just spray and pray and run around like doing or something. <laughs> it's it's the opposite of that. It's it's trying to be more realistic in a sci-fi setting. Nice. So, I'm going to jump in just because I want to make sure we don't go too long. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm always the one with the timer. I'm like, hey, <laughs> uh, but it's great. Thank you. So um, I'm going to run through mine real quick here. So Metagio Solid and Doom Eternal, I'm kind of like, I might be putting them on like a temporary retire thing. I'm not sure yet, just because I have some other priorities going on. Still enjoying them. Um, we finished the first Halo, and so we're actually starting Halo 2 now, with my partner, which, ah, man, I love dual wielding. Forgot how much I missed that. I was like, yeah, give me two guns. <laughs> like, it's just awesome. I was like, I love it. Um, I just started Ori and the Will of the Wisps, which, oh my God, that game is gorgeous. And maybe... So I played Ori the Blind Forest on my Switch originally, and it looked good, but I'm like, damn, when you play on the TV, it's like, (laughs) whoa, this game is gorgeous. Like, I don't know. They somehow stepped it up, like art style, (laughs) everything. And oh my God, going from Narita Boy to Ori, I was like, yeah, Narita Boy sucks because like Ori just like feels (laughs) so good. It's crazy how good it feels. Everything you want to do, you can do it, you know, and you're like, oh, it's just chef's kiss. Um, <laughs> playing more Final Fantasy 7 which, uh, 7, 5 not 7, 5, the V is a 5 um, <laughs> gotta remind myself of those Roman numerals uh, liking it, I'm really close I think to like this like we'll say the second part to avoid, I mean god the story in it is so asinine in like the best way possible it doesn't really matter, if you're playing this game for the story, it's not a, it's, you don't need to. Uh, and I don't, I don't even mean that as an insult. It's just like genuinely, even the creators were like, yeah, story wasn't the big focus on this one <laughs> because you could do so many job changes that like the characters have to be kind of general because they can be anything in the game. Um, anyway, but I also have a surprise game that I'm playing right now, um, which I haven't put on here, which is good old 13 Sentinels, I just rim. <laughs> yeah, Rick, Rick's very excited. <laughs> so I got a Vita. Yeah, I got a Vita the other day, uh, like literally yesterday as recording. And um, 
my PS4 has been plugged in but not played because I'm just like, I got none of this. But this dude sold me a Vita for 100 CAD, which is nuts. Sorry, my dog's starting to go off. (laughs) So I was like, you know what? I want to do remote play because I was thinking about like, you know, I still have a couple PS4 games I'm interested in. And then I was like, I wonder. And so I checked on the PS store and 13 Sentinels was on sale. And I was like, well. It's half price at the moment. Yeah, if anyone's listening, now's the fucking time. (laughs) (laughs) So I decided. Already. Right. I know. I was like, you know what? Let's let's do it. Let's go in on it. And I, I downloaded it. Only four gigs. I feel like it was meant. I think it was originally like at one point conceived for the Vita, and it worked so well. It was. On, they cancelled yeah. that version. They were working on it for like a year and a half, and it just wouldn't fit. But well, and with, sorry, I keep jumping in. Go no, on. it's fine. With remote play, it works perfectly. Like I'm like honestly like there's no. It's because it's a game that doesn't require any kind of quick stuff you know and even then my connection is good enough that like it's running perfectly fine i can tell that it's probably going to be it would be crisper on my tv but it looks great on the vita screen anyway and so far i'm really digging it i like i don't i don't know the rts stuff i can give or take i i I like that kind of stuff i think they do it well it's just not like you know what i mean like i don't know i'm not like yeah rts stuff you know what i mean or like turn-based stuff like you know but i i think they do it well but I really enjoy so far the the narrative stuff because I like this sort of concept of like the thought bubbles, like you you get keywords that kind of pop into your head, you can consider them and like link them and stuff. And I think that's clever. And I really, I really dig that. I'm not firing it at all. I've only beaten three prologues at this point. So I'm only like an hour in, but so far it's very cool. And hopefully they'll stay that way. And it's fun to play on my couch while something else is going on. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to like step up my game with that game because oh. <laughs> Because otherwise, Alex is gonna beat it before me. Yeah, there's a chance. Yeah, I might beat. There's a there's a spoiler cast waiting to be done, and that's reliant on both of you getting yep. done quickly. Um, <laughs> all right, with that, why don't we move on to our topic slash question of the week that Abitage created? So, Abitage, would you like to read off this question oh. for us? Sure, and this is one that I've discussed with people before, so I thought it would be interesting to bring to you guys. As in, when you're playing a game, do you prefer to be able to see yourself in the game? Or would you rather play a role that's more foreign or fantastical? E.g., when you're making a character in a character creation, do you tend to try and replicate yourself? Like, oh, that looks like me. There I am. Or do you just go, what are the options? Can I make someone completely random and different? And isn't that fun because it's different? Because, and, and the impetus behind this is I'm the I'm very much on the, I don't want to play myself in games. <laughs> I'd rather go with the fantasy and just play whatever something else like you know in skyrim i want to be the lizard man in <laughs> in other games i'd i'd rather be female than male or whatever you know just i've got no interest in playing myself like i play me every day other people i find are quite adamant on well i can't make myself i don't want to play this and and that's just interesting to me so yeah discuss <laughs> yeah and i suppose if i if i jump in i fall somewhere in the middle so like take cyberpunk as a recent example i made someone that looked relatively similar to me i went a bit crazy with the hair color but other than that it was basically like a a representation of myself i do like to play different roles but generally i prefer that that's something that's been curated for me because I, i i lack not the imagination but maybe sort of a combination of the imagination and the impetus to to create that situation for myself so two recent examples is a game i played called raji which is like a a top down um, action adventure set in India with all Indian gods. You play as a, a dancer called Raji. She's trying to find her brother. Uh, and I quite like that being transported into another world, learning um, about the Indian mythology and gods. And, and the game was clearly quite geared towards 
um, a non-domestic audience for them because there were long segments where you'd discover different sort of backstories to your various gods and, and it would sort of take the time to hold your hand through that. And then there's another one. It's on Apple Arcade if anyone's got that. It's also uh, on PC, but you can clearly tell it's sort of made for mobile, called Assemble With Care, where you play as a young girl who's gone to a different village. She's trying to like find That's her place in the world. And it's a wonderful game. Uh, it's really... I wish it was longer. <laughs> yeah, I, but I like it for the length it was. It was a really nice, relaxing sort of one and done session thing. Um, yep. But I, I think those are the kind of things where um, if I want to play a different role, that's what I want the developer to have done for me so I can just sort of absorb it. If if there's a character creator or um, it's a big thing like that, I generally am just going to tend towards putting myself in there. But um, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of merit to having that flexibility and being able to do something else. If you, if you're so mm. minded as you are, that's me. What about, what about you two? Let me jump back. Um, I'm going to jump in real quick here because I don't usually like to self insert into a game. Even when I'm like playing something that it doesn't have like predetermined like main character kind of thing. I don't usually play those kind of games, but but when I'm able to create like my my own character, I'm gonna make it a character that's not me. And that comes because of two reasons, mainly because I don't wanna be myself in a game. I wanna be cool, I'm gonna be I, I wanna be a badass here. And because I also like to roleplay a lot, like tabletop RPGs and stuff, like D&D. And I used to be like in some Danganronpa tabletop RPGs. And hopefully I get to be in another mystery-related kind of tabletop RPG. So for the other kind of like part of the question, does it bother me when I'm forced to play a character unlike myself? It really doesn't. I actually like it more when there's like a predetermined character or a character created especially for this story. Because one, it usually has, a, the, the game usually has a stronger narrative when the character is like predetermined. Second, because I really like when the character fits the narrative in the sense of it is a character that can carry the story or that is interesting, is fun to watch, stuff like that. I could give like other examples uh, on these cases, but I think I want to hear either uh, of you to answer the question too. Yeah, you know, I, listening to you, all of you talking about this a little bit, it, I, I'm interesting because I think I've evolved in the way that I've used to do this. I think for a long time when I was younger, I would play games with character creators and I was very much not necessarily creating myself, but definitely creating someone similar to me, right? These days, and, and I often notice that that happens on a first pass, which I think is really common. Like I'm reading another one of those boss fight books on Star Wars Knights of the Republic. And like the designers in that game talked about how they're like, everyone I've talked to says like they played it first as a good old Jedi and they're very nice and they're very good and they're very themselves. And then they go to their second round and they're like, time to be evil. And it's like, you almost have to like prove to yourself first that like I can be mm -hmm. me and be nice and kind and be the idealized version. And then you can go do the wild Speaking stuff. Speaking of right? pop psychology, that, that's a whole interesting one isn't yeah. it yeah that's a that's like a, like a fascinating <laughs> thing on there because i do that like i've done that multiple times i did it with mass effect the first time i went through and i played like kind of like myself and then i went through and played as femshep and i was like this is way better experience because 
suddenly it was interesting. Suddenly I was allowing myself to make choices that I think were more interesting um, and went a little bit against myself, but also made more sense for the character as a whole. Um, and I've done that now a lot. I play, I've, I've been playing the last number of games I've played. I've started to play as female characters because I can, I find that I'm able to then dissociate myself from that character and I can like really see that as a separate person, right? Because whenever it's too, my dog's just having a, a wine fest right now. <laughs> um, I know, you know, you play with her for hours and it's just not enough. She needs more hours, <laughs> constant hours. <laughs> oh, well, she's a cutie. Anyway, what was I saying? So yeah, lately, like, you know, I went to Fallout New Vegas and I created a female character. I played Night Steel Republic 2 again. I was a female character again. And I, I just find that it's more interesting for me. And, and like you're saying, Paula, I prefer curated experiences like i think why i love the witcher 3 so much was that i was a I realized character and i actually have to give mass effect real credit to the fact that they allow you to create your character but they really do make that a person right like commander shepherd is a real character um and you can influence how they play but like they've decided like this is the kind of person they are right like they have this military background they've got this and this um, which I appreciate. I think sometimes with games like Skyrim, I'm like, who cares? I guess I can be me. But if I'm a lizard man, sometimes it'll change like dialogues, a few things, which is neat. But ultimately, that's an open book. And we need those experiences, right? I think those experiences are important and fun too. But yeah, I tend to enjoy the slightly more curated open experiences. Like Cyberpunk, I think, does this a little bit too, right? Like there's like three types of sort of characters that you go on there. And there's really like kind of a personality in there, from what I've played at least so far. Yeah, and even mm. collectively between the three, there is um, there's a, a, an identity to V mm-hmm. sort of beyond what, what you put in. I haven't played Mass Effect, but what you're saying about that, where it gives you a realized character who you can sort of give nudges, that rings true for my experience of Cyberpunk. Yeah. Well, Mass Effect's a great example because, yeah, whoever you pick on that, you still feel like you've picked the right one. Mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yep which is great but um the, the other thing that kind of goes along with this i think is because yeah i kind of agree that like if it's curated i'll be anyone you want me to be kind of thing because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's kind of the fun and and if you've written a great character i don't care what they're like compared to me that's mm-hmm. cool let's do it but the the other part to it which i i think is kind of interesting is like because this is in lots of different media is if a character is unlikable I know, I know this is something I've experienced more in like reading books where there's a lot of books out there which are great books that have the main character is just not someone you'd actually like if you met them. They're just dickheads, basically. Mm. <laughs> but it's well written. It tells a great story and it's really interesting. And it's kind of like, oh, this is a cool read kind of thing. And and a lot of the time in char- in games, I get that as well, where you might meet a character or you might play a character who, like you say, if you go back and do the evil thing, it's kind of fun to do that and play around and see what's possible, even though you're not going, yeah, this is this is awesome. I can't wait to do this in real life. <laughs> you know? Well, it's the fantasy element, but right? But you kind of, absolutely. And so, yeah, that's where I think it's, it's interesting to be able to play around with those sorts of things. And I, I really like what you guys are saying about how in a context where it matters as well, like a, a game that responds to that rather than something like, like Skyrim, where, yeah, you literally can be anyone and you'll have the same experience. It's it's always nice to have a little bit of nuance to it if you are able to change who you are, kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh-huh. yeah. Well, that was interesting. 
<laughs> uh, that was a great question. Thanks for, for bringing that on. I'm going to move us on now to a fun new segment that's come yeah. straight from Abitage's mind, and we, we crowdsource together amongst <laughs> us a title. So this is called Guest the Game. Welcome to Guest the Game, where the aim of the game is to guess the guest's game. Oh, tongue twister right there. <laughs> Say that five times quickly. <laughs> I'm not even going to try once. Yeah. <laughs> this this may or may not work. Yeah, essentially, <laughs> basically, oh, I've, yeah, go ahead. I've, sorry, if you want to. <laughs> no, no, you explain it. You explain it. You created it. It's your brainchild. <laughs> okay, I've picked a game from How Long to Beat, which is a game that everyone should know of, if not more details. Like it's not a not a rare game. That's the first mm. clue. But um, I've looked at the completions page, most just for completionist uh, submissions. And so I'm going to give you an hour total for a submission and the comment that they've made. And essentially, we'll go one at a time because some comments, as we know, can be very specific. Others can be very general. So we'll start hard and keep it general and see if you can guess the game from that clue. And I'll get more and more specific or find comments that are way more uh, revealing of what the game is as we we go. Should we do this if we guess? Yeah, should we add this to our how long to beat score? So like if if the first one, if you guess it on the first one, you get five points, four, three, two, one, then nothing if it takes too many. Well, we can, nah, we can let's put it on a five it, tier. Let's keep it its own thing, I think. All right. We, All know, right. we, know, it's not a rare, we know it's not a rare game, so Banjo-Kazooie's out of the question. <laughs> <laughs> you, you terrible, terrible person. All right, go ahead, Avatar. You, ma- <laughs> you manage this every week. Yeah. I, I'm just sharp. I'm on it. That's all it is. <laughs> I'm just a genius. Okay, let me find this first oh, well, one. I would never say so, but, you know, if that's what you think. Okay, so you'll, you'll know from this comment that we're starting quite general. So the comp- But the, the time is also a factor. So the com- this completionist entry is 135 hours mm. and 32 minutes. Wow. So that's 100% completion. And the comment is all side quests, all endings, all optional content, and all achievements. Could be anything. Yeah, I don't even want to guess at this point. I haven't got the first clue. I I, I feel like I'm narrowing it down slightly, but I'm definitely going to need another one. <laughs> yeah. I, see, endings to me is interesting. Yes, yeah, I jumped yeah. on that one. That's kind of like a giveaway. Of There's no Otome that are that long, okay. are they? <laughs> you never Probably know. are, actually. Yeah. Fact, you know what? I'll hail marry a guess. Is it cyberpunk? You know what? It is. Oh my yes. god, dang! Wow, all right, Rick. <laughs> wow, Rick. I feel like I've ruined the game a little bit there. <laughs> oh, but that's... Hey, like I said, it could, it could be a train wreck. <laughs> yeah, good job. Well, Rick got it. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll give you a couple more comments. Just yeah, yeah, to please do. show you how it might, how it might progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next one I was going to give you was every single main quest, side quest, and crime completed. Uh, so it gets a little bit more specific uh, and one of the ones that would have potentially given it away completely was 150 hour completion which says main quest side quest gigs reported crimes criminal activities and some time to explore the world gigs would have been a dead giveaway 100 yeah and pa- paul yeah, and i would have been, been like a, sure <laughs> I mean, yeah, it depends how intimate you are with the game. So, yeah, I like that though. There you go. We're gonna keep that. So, n- when guests come on now, we'll play guest the game. <laughs> it's a simple thing. 
And I, I just quite like looking at the comments sometimes because they can be quite funny. Yeah. Um, to me anyway. <laughs> um, all right. But of course, we're also going to finish off and let's all say it together, everybody, with our favorite game, How Long to Be. How Long, how long to Be. The game. Ooh, we all got the game at the same time. Nice. Remember, on my side is the recording. So if it sounds good for me, it's good. (laughs) I couldn't even say the whole thing because my... Yes. We're ready to go. Let's click that button. Click that again because it's DLC. Ooh, okay. Strider 2. Ooh, I was just reading about Strider. Strider 2! Interesting. I didn't even know it had a sequel, like, apart from the 2014 one that was, like, digital only. Uh, How much are we allowed to look up if we're allowed to look up anything? Uh, You're allowed to look up information about the game. Just don't look on HRTV where the times are going to be displayed. Cool, because I have no idea what this is. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Uh, Is it Strider 2 with a 2 or with a Roman 2? With the number 2. It might be the same game. I don't really... I'm not intimately familiar with the Strider series. I've actually... uh, only played the the digital sort of reboot that they did, uh, which was quite good actually. Like it wasn't wasn't anything earth shattering, but it's good game for what it was. Yeah, because there's two of them. There's like there's a there's a That's US the Strider two 1990 though, and there's a Strider two from 1999. Oh. There are two Strider twos. Mm. <laughs> oh, well, this is going to be the 99 Strider two because the box art is PlayStation. No idea. I'm gonna hail Mary this one. I'm gonna put. <laughs> I'm going to put seven hours main. I'm going to put eight. In fact, no, I'm going to put six hours main. I'm going to put seven hours main plus, and I'm going to put eight hours 100%. Done. Well, based on a short, very short wiki page, which only has two sentences on it. That's worrying. <laughs> it's got Strider 2, you can refer to Strider 2, and then Strider 2, and then you can go to the disambiguation. But um, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try to cheese this um oh damn it all right i was literally gonna put those as my times i just saw your times and i was like <laughs> like that's what i'm gonna do um great minds think alike you know what they say yeah that's hilarious that was honest to god i was like i was like looking at it right now i'm like oh i think it's like six seven eight I'm like, wow <laughs> maybe i'll change one of them to make that. it yeah maybe i'll do seven and a half or something for completion but no, it's always higher, right? Like, I don't know. Maybe. I'm still gutted about last week, Crystal Bearers. That was uh, gutting. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say five hours and a half for main, six hours for main plus, and six hours and 30 minutes for 100%. Oh, wow, yeah. that's a very Actually, I'm gonna go. I'm going to go uh, six hours for 100%. Interesting. Yeah, okay. I'm going six well, for main, seven hours for main plus, seven hours and a half for 100. What about you, Epitage? I'm going for a bit of a wider spread because I know nothing about this game. <laughs> so I've gone five hours for main, nine for main plus, and 12 for 100%. Okay. Everyone happy with their scores? Everyone locked in before I click in? Okay. Go for it. Yeah. Go for it. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> what happened? Is it like an hour? <laughs> right. Get on this. Main story, 43 minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Main plus extras, 57 minutes. Oh, fuck. (laughs) And completionist, 57 minutes. So we all lost. You missed out by three minutes, Paola. You missed out by three minutes. (laughs) (laughs) That was a great one. Oh, wow. That's a very short game. Holy crap. I mean, yeah. that's a that for 
Disney Plus. Yeah, that's absurdly short. All right, well, uh-huh. there you have it. <laughs> Strider 2, everybody. Maybe I'll complete that one. <laughs> uh, and for yet another game. week, my slender lead remains intact. Should and- it? For yet yeah. another month, our guest is, uh, has failed at the final I hurdle. And I, sh- I should have done a 555. That's, that's really where it's at. Mm-mm. <laughs> that's really where it's at. Um, well, thank you so much for tuning in this week, everybody. Thank you for joining us, Apatos. This has been wonderful. Lovely to have you. We'll see you all thank next you week. Me. Yes. Toodles. Bye-bye. Bye. What if this was the moment when I was like, oh, we weren't recording? No. <laughs> <laughs>